maybe challenging parts of their heart. That does not come easy. Notice the verb, though. It talks about us drawing them out. You kind of get this image of a, going to a well, dropping a, bu a bucket of water. It doesn't talk about pounds it out, <laughs> pulls it out, forces it out, manipulates it out, coaxes it out, guilts it out, draws it out. And that's what we're doing. Questions create an opportunity for people to interact with us and with the Holy Spirit so that they can get into their own hearts and see things that maybe they've never seen before. You can tell somebody something and say, this is true. But it doesn't take much to, to process a statement like that. Like, I could literally talk for about two hours and you guys could write it, write it all down, and you literally would not pay attention to, or you could be in a, in a spot where you didn't have to pay attention to any of it. You've been in classes like that. For me, that was chemistry. Hmm. I took one chemistry class. It's 2004. It's probably shortly after chemistry was being invented. And I didn't listen to like anything. It was just all statements, statements, or whatever. But the second that I asked you a question, you have to answer, which means you are engaged. I could say the most important person in your life is the person that you would be willing to go the furthest for. And you can be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's great. But it's a little different when I go, Sydney, how far would you be willing to go for the person you love most in this, in this world? Now you're thinking. Now you've got to answer the question, wait, who do I love most in this world? And then how far would I be willing to go? You've got to think about yourself. You've got to work out well, how, dealing with your own heart. Yeah. Would I be willing to go that far? I think I would. Really? 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 Break the law? I don't know. Do you see all the levels of interaction that have already happened, the layers that have gone back, mm -hmm. even just in that question? Does that make sense? Yeah, Questions are really powerful. In fact, questions very often can be more powerful than statements. Let's do a little short case study in the questions of Jesus. Go over to Mark chapter 8. Another reason why we want to use questions is because Jesus used them all the time. chapter 8 starts off Jesus was feeding the 4,000 and he comes and they're like hey they've been with me now for these many days I want to get them something to eat I send them away to their homes they'll faint in the way and some of them have come far uh, from far away verse 4 his disciples answered him how can one feed how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place and he asked them well how many loaves do you have First off, it seems like just a logistical, pragmatic question. Like, well, how much, what you got? And it means they have to start participating. Jesus also is trying to test their hearts and their faith. Like, how many loaves do you think you got? What do you think I could do here? He goes again and asks that question later on when he feeds the 5,000. 
skip down a little bit further, you know how that story ends. In verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, agitating Jesus, and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. It's interesting, instead of just saying, hey, y'all, here's what's going on in your heart, which he could have done, it's Jesus. But he could have said, y'all are whack, and you guys have signs, but you're missing them. You're not looking at the scriptures that are being fulfilled right before you. Instead, he asks the question, why does this generation look for a sign? Then you got to stop and you got to think, well, why does this generation look for a sign? If I'm part of the generation, why am I looking for a sign? Why is that important? Is it in the Bible? I don't know. Is it in the Bible? Is it? It is. Is it? Yeah. Is it? And you know you've been there. And you're just like, but I better go check. And it gets you involved. And later on, I love this. Jesus is kind of like debriefing with his disciples. And uh, they're talking about why, he, verse 15, he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. You gotta love the disciples. It's like, man, you just, you're not there. <laughs> you're not anymore. And Jesus, aware of this, says to them, why are you discussing the fact that you don't have bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not remember? Or hear and do you not remember? And then when I broke the, loaf, uh, the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? He could have hauled off and said, y'all dumb. Y'all are stupid. Guys, come on. I'm not talking about bread. It's a metaphor. Look it up. <laughs> Instead, he asked the questions. Why are you thinking about this? Are your hearts hardened? They're like, I don't know. Is my heart hardened? Yeah, it sounds like, well, when you say it like that, Jesus. And then even at the end, he goes, do you not understand? Implying that there is something I don't understand. Then they had to go, well, do I? I think I do. Wrestling about that. And then the mother of all questions, we're going to skip over the blind man thing. But he does ask a question there too, by the way. The mother of all questions, verse 27 He's at Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? Instead of going, hey, you know, everybody thinks I'm like this. But you got to love this. In verse 29, he asks them, but who do you say I am? Instead of going, I am the Messiah, he goes, who do you say I am? Allowing Peter to make the great profession of faith that you are the Christ. He could have said it, but that actually allows Peter to come drawing out what's really in his heart. All the faith that he's got is that you are the Messiah. If Jesus goes, I'm the Messiah, and Peter goes, I knew that, or Peter likes this statement. <laughs> a little different. You can't upvote that. But by going, who do you say I am? allows Peter to make the incredibly bold and faithful decision, drawing out the greatness that's within his heart. Jesus asked a ton of questions. That's why we need to ask a ton of questions to draw out what's really in people's hearts. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, if you've done disciple makers, how many of you guys have done disciple makers before? Okay, about five or six of you. Okay, cool. 
So, in Disciple Makers, which is another approach to, a uh, very similar approach to making disciples, that's Disciple Makers, uh, we talk about three different types of questions that you can ask. And there are different levels of the text. So when you open up the Bible, and the, oh man, I don't have any more. Let me go find the, okay. We use the, the picture of an inverted pyramid, upside down triangle. And up here, well, let's see if any of you guys remember. Up here, interpretation. Application. Yeah. Contemplation. Yeah. Contemplation or motivation. Yeah. Contemplation or motivation. And the questions that I attach with those, if you have a hard time remembering that, is what, how, and why. If you want a little thing, a mnemonic, I am. So, what does that mean? What is this kind of stuff? Well, when you open any scripture, you start off with what is going on in the text? What is going on in this particular passage? It's an interpretation. Uh, oh, we're interpreting the scripture. Sweet. Here's what it says, here's what it doesn't say. Here's what it teaches. This part here talks about, okay, well, how does that apply to us? And you make the shift, the switch to everyday life, and you apply it. And down here, contemplation, motivation is a why. What's going on in your heart? Okay? Now, what I'd like to present, if, if you remember this, this is awesome. This is a great place to start. Now, we will talk through different kinds of questions to ask. With CPR, what we're doing is we're taking this idea... We're actually using this model. <clears throat> Teach, review, correct, train. And it comes out of 2 Timothy 3. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And really, all that's different here is you just flip these two questions. Teaching. Starts up here with interpretation. What's going on? This is rebuke and correct. To expose and correct. And this is where we go with attitudes, emotions, thoughts. This is just teaching doctrine here. And then this part, training, this is your actions. Once you have to write this, that will cause you to do this. Does that make sense? So all I'm asking you to do is if you know this part, just flip the two. And for this, what am I, every scripture, I'm going to ask you, what are you TRCTing? Teacher, being correct, training, whatever. For every scripture that you use, for you to start working on knowing what that scripture teaches, what that scripture reproves and corrects, 
and what that scripture and what actions that you can do to train someone to do that. Does that make sense? Okay. What I'm going to do now is I've got, these are called purposeful question worksheets. You're going to get tired of seeing these. These will annoy the tar out of you, but they're really important. Go ahead and take one and pass it out. What they are is a graphic organizer, a worksheet, to get you to a point where this is how you think. Whereas you're opening up a scripture to teach somebody in a Bible study, you're thinking like this. What does the scripture teach? What does it expose? And what does it train us to do? There's a part of this, uh, there's literally the first part, the scripture and what it teaches, which that's pretty much what we were talking about. The first aid scripture, book and chapter, and purpose. That's the first part. The second part, it talks about attitudes to reprove or correct. Now, you know in Hebrews 4, what does it say the, the, the word of God exposes? It talks about it exposes the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So often what can happen is we can, it's really easy for us to zero in on an ungodly action, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I'm putting that in my crosshairs, that is wrong, and that is bad. Stop that. But if you don't help someone to see and correct the attitudes and the thoughts that are driving that, you could stop that action, but it'll just change to somewhere else. If somebody is drawn to the world, they may stop getting drunk, but it may just change completely. Like, okay, I'm not getting drunk anymore, but now, you know, when I'm by myself, the only thing I listen to is crazy worldly music. And the only thing I'm reading online is I'm just keeping up with the latest celebrities. I'm drawn to the world. My heroes are Kanye, Jay-Z, Queen B, Kate Middleton, I don't know. Whoever it is. But you gotta deal with the heart. Now, we're gonna talk a lot about things like immorality and impurity. But if you, if you could tr even try to help somebody like, okay, stop looking at the computer, stop looking at pornography. But if you don't deal with the underlying thoughts and attitudes and actions, that sin's never going to go away. And even if you stop the action, it will fill up their heart with, with you know, the, the heart will still be there with all sorts of lustful thoughts yeah. and issues. And then you're just trying to hold back the tide and hold back the river until it breaks through one day and it's too much. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it is not just enough for us to go, okay, we know what it teaches. Here's what you need to do at the end. We need to make sure that with this whole CPR thing, we want to get to the heart and draw people's hearts. It's not enough just to do their actions. We want to ask questions to get to what's really going on in their hearts. And we'll talk a lot about that in subsequent classes. So. All right. What we're going to do here is we're actually going to run through one of these purposeful question worksheets really quickly. Um, and just kind of go through Maybe not even really quickly. What's happening? Oh, we got it though. Okay, go ahead and turn over to 2 Timothy 3. Actually, no, that's going to take a little bit. Turn over to James 1. 
Okay, so on this purpose of question worksheet, the first thing is the name of the study that you're doing. If we're looking at James 1, what study are we probably going to do? The call. And we're going to talk all about the call in the next class. But the call and the purpose of the call, we'll also talk about that there. Anybody know? You've done the reading already? Just to show people what Jesus expects. Part of that, yeah. Yeah, are you in or out on the call to follow Jesus as he says to? The call study is, here's the call that Jesus gives you. Are you in or out? That's the point and the purpose. It's not a salvation study. It's, here's the call. Are you going to follow? Do you want this? Going from there. So that's the point. The point is to get somebody to say yes, of course, to motivate them to do that. But are you in or out? So, uh, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take a look at this passage. Let's go ahead and read it. So we're going to read it for us. James 1, 22-25. Maya? In a, your biggest booming Genesis singing James Earl Jones smooth Fossa voice. Um, um, I'll try. <laughs> okay. great already. <laughs> Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Awesome. Thank you. Definitely the fossil like. Thanks. All right, so you write down the scripture, so if you're going to start to fill this out. Write down James 1, 22 through 25. You want to write that up the top so you have enough room to write in what's this teaching. And if you're going to have one big thing, and understand, in order to have purposeful questions and use scriptures purposefully, you got to know what their purpose is. That's why I'm really like pounding on the idea of knowing these passages and knowing the scriptures and all that stuff. So you got to know what is this teaching. You're going to sum it down. What's the point and purpose and teaching of this passage. Very, very simple. Do what it says. Or derivatives. It's not like that's written, you know, somewhere that you know that this is the definitive purpose. But do what it says, some of those lines, you gotta do what it says. Okay, that's, that's just the simplest way to say that. Do what it says. Cool. The second thing that we want to do, and this is really important because this will change based on who you are studying the Bible with. Attitudes to reprove and correct. This will literally change for y'all based on what school you go to. If you sit down with a freshman from ODU, that is very different from sitting down with a senior from Hampton University, which is very different from studying the Bible with a second year from TCC Virginia Beach, which is very different from studying with a second year from TCC Norfolk. And let's just up it to like, you know, five years later, it's very different to speak to a college student from Hampton Roads than it is to speak to a single from Hampton Roads. A young working professional. But it's even different from talking from a college student in Hampton Roads to a college student in Richmond. 
and very different to talk to somebody who is a college student from even Richmond or Northern Virginia and to a married person in the United States, which is different if you go to London or if you go to India or go to Australia or you go to Germany. You guys understand? Say what? Atlantis. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Atlantis Bible Talk, coming soon, folks. Do you mean the hotel like in the, in like, in the Bahamas? What do you mean like Atlantis? Like the lost city? Like... Either way, I want to be part of that mission team. Either way, it's pretty sweet. What I'm saying about this is this is where we actually have to do a bit of our homework. We have to learn about the people that we're studying the Bible with. Yeah. And we have to learn our cultures. We have to learn the environments in which, that we live in. This is why spending time, this is why you can't only spend your time with disciples. And why if you only spend your time with disciples, you get weird. <laughs> it's just true. <laughs> You start talking differently. Like, so I was having my quiet time. I was struggling hard. Because <laughs> I was salty because what some sister said to me the other day turned D time, and I was just like, mm mm. Like, what? What is that? I need that translated. But you know what I'm saying? We need, we need to be able to understand what's going on in our campuses. I'm not saying, like, be a chameleon and blend in, all that kind of stuff, but be able to know people so you can know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And know their actual issues. Be in the world, not of the world, but know what's going on. Yes, John? Um, when Mike and I and Jackie were in Richmond, Tony um, Williams said something, like, pretty profound. He was like, I don't, he said, I don't study the Bible with people, I study people with the Bible. Yeah, we always need to do that. That's one of the biggest things, is a great point from Tony, is that, yeah, people are different. People are always going to need different, that's why you got to know what's really going on. If somebody's an atheist, you ask them very different questions than somebody who's very religious. If somebody's a Buddhist, it's very different than somebody who's Islam, very different than somebody who's Catholic. That's why we got to know, which is... For us, we got to be students of our world so that we can know how to help it. Yeah. We are doctors and physicians and first responders in a fallen, dying, dead world. That's why we got to study this stuff the way first responders, doctors, physicians would do it. Hence, CPR. Okay, with this particular passage, let's think through. And let's go ahead, and I'm just going to pull, pull out a, student, a typical student at Old Dominion University with a slight religious background. Grew up in a Christian family but doesn't do anything here. That's what's going on. What are some possible thoughts and attitudes that may need to be exposed and corrected? Uh, I'm a Christian just because I believe it. Yeah, I'm a Christian because I believe it, or I've been to church a ton. Sure. Uh, I don't read my Bible as often as I should, but that's okay. Yep, exactly. I pray every morning and night. Yeah. And, and, and so for, for that particular statement, that's this would be, there's probably a better passage for th that particular one to really make it clear, with like Proverbs 28.9 that we talked about, that if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, he has prayers to be testable. But you could definitely bring that up here. That makes sense? A lot of what we're going to talk about is that there are some passages that you can use for a lot of different things, 
But then there are some passages that are like, this just works, bet it's so clear. It's, and sometimes we just need to have it said that specifically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cool. What else we got? Mary. I go to church when I go home. I go to church when I go home, but I'm still good. Yeah, definitely. I'm generally a good person because I don't do X, Y, and Z. Sure, yeah. There might be other passages that work better, but definitely it's a good one. Or I do X, Y, and Z, but I have God's grace, so it's okay. Okay, yeah. I was baptizing when I was a kid. Sure, baptizing when I was a kid. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. Good> <laughs> uh, for this particular passage, maybe something like, oh, I listened to a sermon on that on YouTube, but you know, it doesn't really, like, it's just nice to hear. Like, yeah. I scripture on it. Yeah. A lot of times this will even be, I'll ask the question of, hey man, do you, do you read your Bible? Yeah, I read it all the time. Or, I, yeah, I don't really read my Bible, but I go to church, so I hear the Bible there. Okay, so this past Sunday, what was the sermon about? <clears throat> or, what did you read this morning? Shoot, what did you read yesterday? So often, the next few seconds are either stunned silence or very resembling a porky pig. I don't know, Jesus. Yeah. I'm like, well, hopefully. If you don't have the scriptures actually altering, changing your life, you are a hearer, not a doer. That makes sense? Yeah. And so somebody that, that talks about like, oh, I do this all the time, but I don't, you know, not as much as I should, but like these kind of attitudes, I I heard it, therefore I'm good. Okay, some of those attitudes. Does that make sense? Okay. And then, uh, let's talk for a second about the actions, the trainable actions. The, and these things here, so, okay, teaching. The T part at the beginning, that comes straight from the Bible. You just gotta look, what is this teaching? There's a lot of other things in there. Do what it says, um, you deceive yourself. Uh, if, if the word is like a mirror, all those things can be used, okay? What do these things teach? Attitudes, emotions, thought, these are all the things from the other person. You get that from them, what they're probably going through their minds. The last part, the T, the practical training, these are actions that you encourage them to do. Maybe not challenge them, you could challenge them to do it, but that will get them to a point where they could be interacting with the Holy Spirit so that these things are replaced with these things. That makes sense? This is to help them get go from here to here. Any questions about that? Oh no, I was just Okay, cool. And then that middle section there about purposeful questions, this is where we go into interpretation, application, contemplation. Okay? Or you can go back to here, but these, this is where I go to here, of like, what's going on in the passage, asking some good questions there, applying it, and what are some good questions that might be able to expose what's going on here? Does that make sense? Okay. So, interpretation questions. What's going on? These are questions that are all geared towards helping somebody dig into the text and see what the Bible actually teaches. You ever have that where 
you are studying the Bible with someone, and you're like, so what does it take to be a Christian? And they spout off, after you even read something that says it's what it takes to be a Christian, and they just spout off something that they've heard. Yeah. And that happens. What you want to do is ask a question <coughs> that gets them to do this. This is like the best position you want someone to do. If you're sitting at a table with someone, you ask a question. You want them, for interpretation questions, to do this. That's what you want it to look like. You want to see the top of their head because you want them going to the scriptures to answer their questions. Because if you can teach somebody to do that in a Bible study, then they can start doing it on their own. That's where we want people to be at. For them to go digging through the scriptures to know that the answers are there. Not from you, but from the Bible. So, I'll open it up. What do you guys think some examples of interpretation questions are for this particular passage? What? How can someone deceive themselves? How can someone deceive themselves? That's great. Why is that a great question? Because to answer it, you gotta look at the Bible. Okay, to answer that question, you gotta look there, and it teaches you something. Because the statement is what? The teaching statement, what you do to make a statement into a question, is you take one part of it. Like, okay, um, don't da -da 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 -da, and so deceive yourself. You're like, okay, so what I'm gonna do is take that second part. How would you deceive yourself? Oh, by reading, you look at the Bible, it answers the question, what's the first part of that statement say? Yeah, do not merely listen to the word, do not be a hearer only, and so deceive yourself. You gotta go to the Bible and answer it. Oh, that's a teaching. Got it. So, do you see how asking the question makes them go and seek it rather than say, okay, so here's what happens. If you only listen to the word and don't do what it says, you deceive yourself more powerful for them to go and look and like, oh, that is what the Bible says. Some of the people have never been in that position before, and they don't know even how to do that. Sorry. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. Cool. What are other examples of that interpretation? Um, what, what is it, what, what do you, yeah, sorry, what do you, what does it say you look like if you forget um, what you, what you over, sorry. It's, it's okay, do you want to just come back to you? Do you want to formulate it a little bit more? Okay. Yeah, cool. Dwight? How can you obtain your freedom? <coughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Great question. How does it say you would forget what you look like? Yes. Yes. Both, both those are fantastic because yours goes in and you say, oh, by hope, you know, by looking perfectly intently into the perfect law. Oh, and then you might have to follow that up with what that looks like. Yeah. And then for you, yeah, what is this? You go back to the scriptures again, answering the question with scripture, but it even ties back into don't merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Ties back into the point. Dennis? What happens if you actually read the word and do what it says? What happens if you really read and do what it says? Always, always, always make sure that you don't just go negative, but if there are promises in the scripture, if there's positives, make sure you bring those up too. We can go really negative often. But yeah, great question because look at that. Oh, wait, there's a promise there, too. Sweet. I have to go back to the scriptures to answer the question. Danielle? Um, why is it important to be here and Yes. Great question. It's fantastic. <laughs> Interpretation questions are great because they make you go back to the text, examine it the text, 
and answer it using the text. Okay? Make sense? Yeah. Cool. Then, um, now let's go to let's go to application questions. And and really, if you guys are freaking out on the order of doing things, like don't don't do that. The Holy Spirit works. If you flip them around, it doesn't really matter. These are just different types of things, different approaches, so that it's clear in your mind. Yeah. Um, so, application questions. What might be, first off, an application question is one that bridges the gap. What it does is it takes the Bible, which, let's be real, sometimes the Bible can feel very distant from us. It can feel super religious, super far away, 2,000 years ago, um, even though I believe it's, it's ridiculously powerful and, and the most powerful thing going, sometimes like we have to work a little bit. This is the question that bridges the gap between what the text says and our lives that we live right now. You are building a bridge from back then to now. Okay? Because how would you look intentionally into the perfect law? Yes. Great question. Or great. Do you see what happened there? Why was that a great question? Because she used the scripture, which was a more general term, like a general scriptural term, and made it practical. So how would you do this? Great question, Em. What? How can someone be a hearer and not a doer? Exactly. Yeah. So you take the scripture once again. You don't have to. You don't have to look to, into the scriptures. The answer is not going to be in the Bible this time. It's going to be in real life. What would this look like? How would you hear it and not do it? Great. Or even like, how have you been doing? How, how, no, how have you been a doer? Like if they're like really religious, they're like, I'm a doer. How are you? Yeah, you do want to be careful with it because what, so one of the things you want to make sure that we're getting away from is being is accusing people through our questions. And sometimes people need to have that happen a little bit, um, like particularly if they're just not getting the point over and over and over again. That would be what I would call like a last ditch question, you know, before I just kind of told them what was going on. <laughs> but well, you don't want to, how have you, even if it's, I know yours was positive, how have you been a doer? Um, you, you can ask, so what are some examples of ways that you've been a doer? Like, yeah, I, I don't want to Right. I, I'm, I know you're not intending to do, to do that. Just be careful with that. But definitely make sure that if it's a negative thing, how have you been a hearer and not a doer? Whoa! Who said I was a hearer and not a doer? It assumes that I haven't been doing something. You could ask, have you ever seen yourself be a hearer and not a doer? Has that ever happened? Yeah. Step I would look for a college student to apply the work. Yes. The clearer that you can make this applicable to their lives, the better. I would even take it one further. I would go, so how would you, like if I was studying the Bible with, say, Reese here, Reese, so how would you, starting tomorrow, today's, let's say we're studying on a Monday, how would you, starting Tuesday morning, start to not just hear the word, but to do it as well? And so now, in his mind, he's not thinking about somebody out there. He's not thinking about random Joe Christian. He's thinking about what do I need to do when I wake up in my bed tomorrow. This is really powerful because the more that someone can visualize themselves doing it, the more likely it is they're going to do it. If you can't imagine yourself doing it, you probably won't. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it does. It reduces the friction. Jake? I don't know if it's similar to what you said, um, but um, what, uh, what, are, what, is a, what is a way that you can uh, not forget what you read? Sure, yeah. yeah. How, how can you, uh, what are some practicals to make sure that you don't become a hero? Yes. Sure. Sure, and that's, I love the principle. Just be careful when Jesus isn't in the passage. You can, you can say God mm -hmm. with that. People get, and I know it seems like I'm splitting hairs here because, you know, they're one and the Trinity and everything like that. But if Jesus isn't in the passage, we copy and paste our own beliefs onto Jesus all the time. And if somebody isn't where they need to be with Jesus, if they haven't been studying the Bible, they're like, well, I think Jesus wouldn't be so religious and Jesus wouldn't be so legalistic. And you go, well, what does the Bible say? Well, I still think Jesus would be really whatever. If Jesus is in the passage, you definitely need to do that. Like, so what would Jesus say? about your, about are you, like, would you repent or perish out of Luke 13? Would Jesus say you're right with God or not? Or according to Luke 9, would Jesus call you a Christian based on deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow me? That is so powerful. But just, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Just be careful that you're not putting it, because people are, are very quick to say, well, to attribute their own beliefs to Jesus. I don't even know if this works, but I totally did this today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so really what you're asking is, uh, <laughs> what is what <laughs> well, I was in this scripture in the study, and I, I had the girl, I was like, close your eyes. And I asked her, I was like, um, so what color shoes do you have on? Like, what color is your uh, jacket? And then after she answered those, um, I looked back at the scripture, and then I asked the question, like, uh, what did I say? about like <laughs> looking into the intently sure. the law. I don't know that. No, I think that's great. You don't want to make that like the only thing that she remembers, but that can be a very powerful illustration of what's going on. Like you would never forget what shoes you just looked at. Like but then you'd want to follow that up with probably a pretty deep contemplation question, yeah. which we're going to segue right now. And it looks like I did that on purpose, but I think <laughs> um, so following up a motivation question or sorry an application question or following up a teaching with a contemplation or a motivation question, this is where we get into the thoughts and the attitudes behind it. And very often, um, the first thing I do in any Bible study, and I should have started with this, but we'll talk about it later, is you need to always make sure that you check the pulse. If you are a first responder actually doing CPR, the first thing you're gonna do is check the pulse. If there's a pulse, you know, they're, they're breathing and stuff. <laughs> the heart's beating. If there's no pulse, you better start going right away. The first thing we do is check the pulse. What does that mean? We are checking for the preliminary thoughts and attitudes. Before you study anything with somebody, you find out what are they, what's already going on. Yeah. If somebody's reading their Bible seven days out of the week and are journaling about it, you probably don't need to spend a ton of time convincing them that they need to read their Bible. But if somebody is like, I don't think the Bible is the word of God, you're not going to spend a ton of time t 
talking about, well, you're hearing the word, but now you're doing what it says. You're like, well, I don't care about either of those things. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. So first thing is first, you have to check the pulse. Cool. Bring that up. Um, after you do that, um, these questions here are very often gauging their reaction and their reflection to the teaching. And maybe even getting them to contemplate what are the things that might stop them from applying it the way the Bible says. What are the attitudes, emotions, and thoughts that would make them either neglect the teaching or neglect the training? And so, a lot of times we want to do as much as we can get back to the scriptures. So maybe asking the question, you know, how, uh, how do you feel about hearing the word and doing what it says? Or uh, how important do you think it is to do what the Bible says to do, whatever? What might stop you tomorrow morning when you wake up and read your Bible from not just hearing it, but doing what it says? And then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll extend those questions so, so what does that mean about your attitude towards the Bible? Well, it's one of the big things is that when, I, I'll ask that question a lot of different ways, but ultimately what I'm trying to do is whether it's the call, whether it's the problem, whether it's the solution, how do you think that that, or how does this, your attitude here, or your life, expose your attitude? What does that tell you about what your attitude is towards sin, or towards the Bible, or towards the cross, or towards repentance, or towards impurity, or towards whatever, X, Y, Z. Is this all making sense here? Yeah. yeah. Cool. What are some examples of contemplation motivation questions for this passage? I already took a bunch, so sorry. Yeah? Well, the, the question, why do we need to do what the Bible says, or why do we need to do what the Word says, do you think? It, yes, but I think you might, and, and understand, this is in the grand scheme of things, this isn't really that important to be able to correctly identify interpretation from contemplation questions. I'll call that probably more of an interpretation question, because it's answered in the text. Um, this, the answer is in the text. This, the answer will be in the other person's um, life, and this will be in their heart and their mind. So that's where you'll find those answers. What? What's going to stop you from, being, from doing yeah, sure. Uh, what does God promise if you continue doing it not together? Okay, that's probably another interpretation question because it's answered in the text. Um, why would the Bible, like, why, why would this address, like, why would it address deceiving yourself? Like, why would the Bible ask you like, to not deceive yourself? Sure. If you're having trouble with figuring out a contemplation questions, shoving why, and starting with the word why, usually will help you get there. So, well, uh, why is it important for you to uh, not deceive yourself, or uh, have you ever, not, not just have you ever deceived yourself, but why, why would you allow yourself to get away with that? Like if they, if they just talked about how, no, I've been going to church for years, but I haven't really done that. Okay, so why was that okay? What convinced you that that was a good idea? What convinced you that that you know, was, was all right to do? Making sense? Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. 
Any other thoughts? Um, why would you want it to be a doer? Yes. And then to start, to end off positively, why would you want to do this? What would motivate you? What would get you out of bed and doing this stuff? Why is this a good idea? And part of it is like, we've got to expose why they thought the sin was a good idea, correct it, and then inspire them that, no, this is the better idea. Do this. Yes, I don't know if this is on but um, if you haven't been a doer before at all, then what have you been missing out on? Or what have you never experienced? Sure. It's like all three of them. Yeah, because and a lot of these, a lot of these end up becoming a couple things at once. You know, so like that's a great example of like probably I, like I don't know, you probably didn't know them, but but because you cross over into a couple different things. What am I missing practically? What am I missing in my heart? Why am I missing? Oh wow! So you, again, questions that are digging out things that we didn't even know were there. Daniel. Um, why is it important to look into what would be the answer that you were probably trying to get there? Because that question could be a contemplation question, but it also could be an interpretation question. It all depends on where you're wanting them to look in order to answer it. If you want them to look in the Bible to find out, it's an interpretation question. If you want them to look into their hearts, it's a contemplation motivation question. If you want them to examine their life, it's an application question. Does that make sense? Is that, is that clear? Look into the scripture, look into your life, look into your heart and mind. That's where you find the answers. Cool. All right. So, what time is it? 6.22. Okay. What I'd like you to do real quick, and this is the last thing that we're going to do for the day, is I'd like you guys to go to Mark 1, 16 through 20, and fill this out on your own. We're going to do it together then afterwards. We'll run through it. We're going to give you a few minutes to do it. And then your homework is going to be... Your homework is going to be to do this worksheet. Now, what, what I'm going to do is actually, it's all available on the website, which, by the way, guys, the videos will be available on the CPR website as well, which is the HamptonRoadsChurch.com campus, and there's a link to CPR. All this stuff is there. What I'd like you guys to do is go and fill out two scriptures of any study that you want, and but do the worksheet. So do the teacher and be correcting training. I've got to get a better way to say that. Maybe track. Track. It's a Greek word. Track to Yeah, we just call it track. So basically, take two scriptures from any study. So it can be call, problem, resolution, and track it. Okay? Sound good? So go ahead and track it now for Mark 1. 1620. If you if you're going and doing something that's not the fishermen and you know fishing for men that kind of stuff, then you're in the wrong spot. Okay. So the scripture is Mark 1, 16 through 20. 
So what's this teaching? Baseball people. Following, following Jesus yeah. leads to evangelism. I think if I was getting used to this, that 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 puts everything that I would be probably going here for. Yeah. Um, now, there are you able to use this passage to teach the immediacy of the response, dropping everything, the totality of it? Yes. Um, there are other scriptures that probably address that stronger, but this is another example of it, so it's not wrong to say that. The main thrust of this passage would be probably that by following Jesus equates to fishers of men. When you follow Jesus, you will fish for men. Is this the one that has the kind of like, Jesus will make you become yes. men? Okay, so do we need to make that distinction very clear? We'll get there in a second. Okay. So probably, yes. De definitely depending on your translation. Okay, um, okay so that's the teaching. What are some attitudes that you may have to reprove and correct? Um, I think like, you know, like I already if you would know. Sure. They're just kind of okay with where they are. Okay, yeah, like complacency. Sure. I let my light shine. I let my light shine, yes. An approach to evangelism that is more passive and people come to me rather than active and go in aggressive mind. Uh, like that was what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, evangelism is something for Jesus, maybe the apostles, but not for me. I was just saying maybe like if someone doesn't like authority, I guess. Or okay, what, what, what do you mean? Because it's just talking about like giving everything and following Jesus, and it's like if they don't if they don't like authority, or they have a hard time with that kind of thing. I, um, what what part of the of the passage are you getting the authority from? Uh, well, I mean, just like I guess I was thinking of the sense of like not wanting to listen or do do what you're told to do. I guess. Sure. Um, maybe yeah. Possibly, like an attitude of rebelliousness that could be like, I don't uh, I don't want to be told about my discipleship, that could definitely be there. There are other passages that may address that stronger and more explicitly, where this is more implicit. Okay. So, does that make sense? Yeah. Dwight? Um, I said, uh, I put down, I talk about God in the studio all the time. Well, I, I said studio because the person I was just saying was in the rich traffic. Argue that um, that like following Jesus means making uh, disciples, like just for those people, just for those disciples. Uh, I suppose they could argue that, but nowhere in the scripture does it say that. <laughs> like, you know, come follow me, and I, I will make you become fishers of men. Which we'll get to. So. I need to share to be a Christian. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There we go. Awesome. A lot of attitudes. A lot of attitudes. Um, 
So, and then the practical training. So that's teacher buke, correct. The training that you would want to help somebody get to a point where that would seal it on their heart, what would that be? Um, come out and share with them, just like yeah. in groups. Yeah, to challenge or encourage someone to come and let me show you so I can help you become a fisher of men. And actually, this is us helping Jesus turn them into fishers of men. Um, start coming in church. In, in this passage, how would you... Because it's um, dropping dropping everything and following you, so you're, you're dropping what you're doing that may not be necessary on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, and going to church instead. Sure. Um, again, this is what I, that would be what I would call a periphery point, like one that you could make an implicit point, an example, but there's probably better scriptures to use rather than this one for that. Um, so, yeah. Anything else? John? Um, can I invite two people out before the next time we do some study? Yeah, something very manageable, something that's not overwhelming. Uh, a lot of times I'll just choose the number two. Like, uh, oh. so here, I'm going to challenge you to have two conversations with non-Christians about becoming Christians. Because if some if somebody goes and says, "Oh yeah, I talked to my two friends from church," that's like, "What'd you guys talk about? What'd you talk about? We talked about the new Lecrae album." <laughs> okay, it's like having making disciples, and because in their mind, this in their mind, like, yeah, I talked to somebody about Jesus. Yeah, but in your mind, you're not trying to help anybody. You're not trying to fish for any men. You're not trying to pull them out of anything. You're not trying to rescue them or get them or anything. You're just you're you're just talking to them about God, which is completely different. You know, those are religious discussions rather than salvation talks. So I make the distinction of two people that are not Christians to become Christians. And what I'll very often do is, is get them to think, who are you going to talk to? Who are two people that you can talk to? And I want to hear their names. Not that I actually am going to keep track of all that stuff, although sometimes I might. But then they go, uh, okay, my roommate Blake and my lab partner, Derek, or something like that. Uh, or maybe it's something like, mm, yeah, definitely Trey and Boris. That's not going But very specific. Once again, because I want them to visualize themselves doing it. Make sense? Cool. All right, so let's run through a couple purposeful questions for this passage. Give me with some interpretation questions. Jake. Um, what, what did James and John do when they heard Jesus? Okay, yes. Let me say to all you guys that use this passage for drop everything, that is not the main thrust of this passage. Just say that very clearly. You can use this passage to support that idea, but that is not the main thing. Because as the more context historically that you give to this passage, you, the power of that doesn't actually increase. Um, this was a big step up for them. And we can go into the, the history of all that kind of stuff. But there are much better passages to use for drop everything. Uh, this is a great example or picture of it if they need it. But I, I wouldn't use this because the more you dig into it, the less that you're like, oh, wow, this is really crazy. I mean, it definitely is, but, it, but there's a, I think there's a bigger focus and thrust than that. It's not like it's wrong. Step. 
Uh, what does Jesus say he will make them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, depending on your translation, what translation of the Bible do you use? NIV. NIV? Is it the new NIV? What's your saying? Uh, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishes of men. Okay. Anybody have anything different? Brian? Horrible translation. It's the, the new NIV. No, no, no. The new NIV does so many good things. That particular one is not one of them. And I'm glad you bring this up because here's the reason why this is kind of a big deal. If you say, I will send you out to fish for people, it does very much sound like he's only talking to them. I will send you out. The original Greek. So let me just pull it out so I don't spell it because I'm on camera The word, the word, if, if the word really was send out, it would be apostolos, to send you out. That's really what, what apostle means, one who is sent out. What it actually says, as I pull it up, are two words together. It's the root word of poieo and the root word of getito, which I know means nothing to you. Stop it. So here we go. This is the word make. This is the word become. The reason this is important, this word here, boyeo, is to craft, to make something, like a craftsman. Or also, I will make you. This word here is become, implying that they are not already. Okay? If you say send out, Maybe I'll equip you and then I'll send you all out. That's not, he's saying, I will make you become fishers of men. Saying that when you follow Jesus, what is the natural progression? What happens to you if you follow Jesus? You change and become a fisher of men. Not because you've got the X factor, not because you're genetically predisposed and you're charismatic, but who is going to make you become it? Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus makes us become fishers of men. I won't tell my story of the first time I shared my faith, but you already know it already. But literally, that's what I'm talking about. I did not start as a fisher of men. I became a fisher of men. Done my training from people and Jesus turning me into one. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's the encouraging part. Okay? So with the question of what I would actually go with, with the question of what does Jesus say will happen when you follow him? So if they don't have like an ESV, what should we do? Yeah, I, I think what you do is, is you you have your your own version. Like, so the original language here says, I will make you become. Is it okay if you know a certain translation is good for that to pull up your phone to show them that translation instead of your Bible? Sure, I mean, I just, I always study with people with ESV, so. Oh yeah, that's right. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think that it might be, you don't want to appear that you're picking and choosing based on what you yeah. like. Right. And so you might want, consistency is a good thing. Yeah. So you might just say like, hey, they, they translated it this way, but the original language says this. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of like, well, I can do it too. You know? Here's a New Living Translation. It says all I need to do is confess my sins to God. We're on the street. We're on the street. There's all sorts of fun stuff. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. I, this is the big thing here. So what... You can ask questions like, were they already fishers of men? How did they become fishers of men? What was Jesus calling them to do? What is the natural progression? All of it comes back to, I will make you become fishers of men. Meaning, if you are not a fisher of men, what are you not doing? Fishing. There you go. Did you say fishing? I guess you're not wrong. If you're not a fisher of men, what are you not doing? Fishing! <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> cool. All right, hit me with an uh, application question. Real quick. John? It just kind of goes with that. Can you, can you follow Jesus and not become a fisherman? I think that may be interpretation contemplation. Okay. So, how we, how we go? Application, recent. What would it look like if you were a fisherman? Bam, big time. Real, that, that one right there. Why? Because it takes a concept built in scripture and connects it to your real life. Cool? Cool. Um, how are you going to respond to this call? Definitely. I think that also that bridges the gap between application and contemplation because you could do it in your heart as well. Like how are you going to respond on an attitude level? Uh, okay. Here's another contemplation question. Yeah. Why would you want to become a fisherman? Why would you want to become a fisherman? Sweet. What might stop you from following Jesus? Yep. What might stop you from following Jesus? What kind of heart is Jesus looking for in people who follow him? Sure. Application questions also include things like, have you ever been a fisher of men? What did that look like? How would you become a fisher of men? How would you start? Uh, and then you can ask the question, if we were going to start going out tomorrow and talk to people, how would you start that conversation? Would you throw your Bible at someone? <laughs> Bible changes uh, So that kind of stuff as well. How could you start doing that? What would it look like tomorrow? And the big thing is if we are going to make disciples, guys, we've got to show them how to do it with our lifestyle. Yeah.